Hey, you're listening to the Catalyst Church Podcast, here to incite change through Jesus. Check us out on social media, Catalyst Church NZ. Now, onto this week's message. And so, I don't really know what I'm going to talk about for the next half an hour, but isn't that fun? Because that means that God's going to speak, amen? And um, I'm always prayerful because, you know, I want to deposit something into a new church plan. I want to help you guys out, just kind of give you my perspective on what I believe um, is going to help grow a healthy church, you know. And um, I'll take you back to 2014 when me and Les uh, first started the ministry, and uh, we had an opportunity to uh, develop our own culture as a ministry, right? And you grow up in your 20s, you're around different ministries, you serve in different places, and, and, and you kind of uh, see different cultures. You see the way that people uh, birth different uh, churches, different movements. Uh, you get around people that have different ideas about what vision looks like, what values look like, what culture looks like, and then you get an opportunity to kind of birth your own, you know? And, and so you kind of, you want to take a moment to kind of think, and even as a Christian, you could put that into your own life individually and say, what type of Christianity do I want? Do I want a religious Christianity? Do I want a dry Christianity? Do I want a head knowledge Christianity? Do I want a Christianity that that I never see the reality of it? Is it a a good theology, but no reality? See, a lot of the people in the body of Christ have great theology, but no reality. What I mean is that they'll tell you they believe in God. They would tell you that they believe in Jesus. But is Jesus walking with them? Do they walk in resurrection power? Do they walk in in a supernatural dimension where something changes their life and the lives of those around them? There's two different things than just saying, I believe in God, you know. And I actually used to say that a lot when we went to the islands because people would say, why are you being a missionary in the islands? Everyone knows a God over there, you know. And um, I would say, no, no, you're wrong. Everyone knows about God but not everyone knows God. And it's harder to preach in a culture where everyone knows about God because they think they know everything, but not many people actually know God. And so I'd talk about it. I'd say to people when I was preaching, I'd say, oh, uh, so you've heard of, you know, at at, at the time John Key was prime minister. We could say Jacinda Ardern or something. Oh, you know Jacinda Ardern? Who knows Jacinda Ardern? You're all nodding, but you know it's a trick question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're like I shouldn't put my hand up but I feel I want to yeah no you don't know her you know about her and you could tell me what she looks like you know you could tell me some of her sayings you could tell me what she's done as a politician and all that but how many have had dinner with her how many have sat down had a coffee with her how many, you know, and so what you mean is you, kn- you know about her but you don't know her see it's one thing to know about someone It's another thing to know someone. And what Jesus does is he gives us the opportunity not just to know about him, but to know him. Isn't that amazing? And so I don't know why I said that, but that's a good key. I'm just going to throw out some keys today, amen? Some of you can take that key, amen? (laughs) And so we had the opportunity (laughs) to develop our culture. And we thought, what kind of culture do we want as a ministry that believes in the supernatural, that's fully Pentecostal, fully charismatic, and yet if we were to look at charismatic circles, there's certain things that we don't like about the charismatic movement or charismatic circles or charismatic churches, you know? And sometimes, you know, we enjoyed, you know, just going to a Baptist church. And sometimes we enjoy just going to a church where, you know, that they and, and finding out about a ministry that was just, you know, feeding the poor. 
You know, like we've got a ministry friend in the North Shore who, who feeds the poor and the homeless and stuff like that. And, and there's something refreshing about that kind of stuff, you know. And sometimes the, the, in the charismatic circles, we get so caught up in the glory and in the power and all that that we just don't do, uh, um, you know, the, the social justice aspects of, of Jesus' nature and just go help someone and just go be a blessing to someone. Amen. And so there's different aspects. And so me and Les were challenged, like, what type of culture do we want in our ministry, you know? And so, and so as I began to look at different churches and what we'd been a part of in our 20s and stuff like that, I began to see that there were kind of two streams that for some reason people gravitate towards. And one of the streams or, or one of the, one, one of the uh, roads, you could say, uh, was that people uh, gravitate towards this concept of like being a social justice ministry. And, and it's all about, you know, having to feed the poor and, you know, oh, we did a mission, a mission overseas and, oh, you did a mission. Wow, what happened? Oh, we built a house and, and, and we housed someone. And that's fantastic you housed someone. But did anyone get saved? Well, did anyone get healed? Well, did anyone get delivered? Well, but, you know, we housed a family. And so I began to see, oh, I'm touching something in the spirit here. Yeah, praise the Lord. You know, I began to see that many people wanted to save the whales, but not the humans. Amen. And that you can actually feed someone into hell. Should I go down this track or? <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Amen. And that's an issue. I'm not against feeding the homeless. You know, I've fed the homeless. We, we minister in Hawaii. We ministered, we've been ministering since 2016. So that's going on seven years. Hawaii has the highest percentage of homeless population in America per capita. Because all the states that get all the ice and the cold and the snow during the winter, they buy homeless people one-way tickets and send them to Hawaii. So when you see Waikiki on the, on the tourism billboards, it looks beautiful, but you go there, there's homeless all along the beach. And so we've fed the homeless over there and we've ministered to the homeless and we've worked with ministries and, we're, and we've actually given to, to feed the poor. And so we love that kind of thing. Amen. Amen. And, and so there's that one track. And so on this track, there's a lot of people that, you know, a lot of ministers and they're, and they're all about character, you know. And they're all about holiness. And, and so they'll teach you about character and they'll teach you about holiness. And, 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 you know, you have to be an upstanding Christian and this is the way you have to live your life. And, and it's all about this kind of uh, the, the character of, and, and being like Jesus in character, which is great. Amen. How many know we need that in the body of Christ, right? We totally need that, guys. Amen. Right. Amen. But there's no power. So you got all these people that can smile at you and, and you know, and, and, and for example, because I don't know if this has been recorded or not, like, you know, you take something like the Brethren, right? Like I grew up in Te Aumutu in the Waikato and uh, the biggest church was the Brethren Church. And they all just love Jesus and their families look amazing and they'd put on the best Christmas show uh, at Christmas time in the whole region, and, and, but no power. Don't lift your hands. Don't shake under the power. Don't get a prophecy but upstanding people, you know? And so there's that one track of all about character. There's that one track of social justice. There's that one track of word-based ministry. How many love the word? I love the word. 
I love to just go sometimes to a church where all they do is just preach the Word or I'll go on YouTube if I'm just feeling like I'm a little depleted in the Word and just go find some ministers that all they do is preach the Word, you know? I mean, you want to get a Bill Johnson sermon in you and just hear some revelation words, you know, and, and, and you just consume the Word, right? It's wonderful. But then you have the other stream, and it's all about the power of God. It's all about miracles. It's all about healings. And oh, I just, we just love that because we're, you know, a power ministry. Amen. We're, we're, we're a ministry that believes in deliverance. We've had witch doctors get delivered. We believe in uh, the healing of the body. We've seen HIV get healed. We've, we believe in, you know, rebuking storms. We've seen cyclones deli- uh, 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 rebuked in the islands. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm meant to, we're meant to have been in two category five cyclones. And both times through prayer, God made them disappear. On the same night as one of our revival events and evangelistic campaigns. So I don't know. That's funny, isn't it? It's kind of God. So we love the supernatural. Amen. We love the glory of God. We are all about the presence of God. Amen. We are all about that supernatural realm, that supernatural element. You know, John chapter 4 says that God is spirit. And those that worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And that word truth means reality. So you can't worship God in the flesh from a fleshly point of view. You can't worship God from this natural realm because God is spirit. You have to be willing to take a deep dive into the spirit realm and maybe get a little out of your flesh and get a little edgy and experience the goosebumps and the tickles and the shaking and the power and go into the spiritual realm so you can experience God. Amen. Otherwise, you just what, 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 what is actually happening is you're just seeing God from a Greek mindset, which is a part of our history, not a Judeo-Christian mindset, because you're just viewing everything from the natural realm and trying to explain God out of the natural. That's why people have a problem with the shaking and the quaking and the baking and the presence of God. Because they're viewing everything from a natural point of view because that looks weird. It looks weird from the natural But if you approach God from God is spirit, like the Jewish people do and like Africa does and like, you know, India does, that's why they, people say, well, all the miracles happen over there. Yeah, because they approach God from the spirit and they believe in the spirit and then they transfer that into the natural realm. And so it all makes sense. You know, which doctors levitating and flying around and crazy things happening and people turning into animals and all that. And yeah, because God, you know, that spiritual realm is real. Amen. In the Western church, we have to stop viewing God from a natural point of view and then try to interpret from the natural into the spirit and actually do it from the spirit realm into the natural realm because we're spirit beings. Like Lisa is now a spirit being. Before she had ideas about God, she had thoughts about God, she had some philosophy, she might have listened to a guru over here and an Indian person over there and a new age person over there and, and you know, heard some stuff, but it was, all, it was all in the mind. But the moment she got born again last night on her birthday, she became a spirit being. And now she needs to be spirit led, amen? Too many Christians are not led by the spirit. They're led by the soul, they're led by the bodily desires, and they try and interpret God through that realm. And it's like, no, God created Adam, a spirit being that had a soul that lived in a body. The world out, out there wants you to be soul beings that submit to the desires of the flesh and don't even talk about the spirit. But it's all got to change, amen? 
And so as I began to look into the Pentecostal and, and, the, and the charismatic movement, there's some things that, you know, aren't desirous, amen? There's people that, there's, there's pastors that fall and that go through things. And there's people that don't love people. They have a lot of power, but there's no love there, amen? Like the last thing me and Les wanted to be was evangelists that just came in and, 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 and tried to do a few miracles and get someone saved, but there's no love there, Amen. And so we began to see, it's like, no, we don't want to be uh, after the power so much that we forget about the love of God. We don't want to be after the power so much that we forget about the character and, and, and the character and the nature of God, amen, who's good all the time, who's merciful, who's gracious to people, who came to love people for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You understand what I'm saying? And so, and then the character's not there and you think, wow, why did that, that guy have so much power? But, you know, his, his, his marriage is a wreck and his kids are off in, in la-la land and not even serving God and, you know what I mean? And, 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 and it's like, and there's something wrong with that. And so we kind of thought about what if we could marry together the love of God with the power of God? Because the Bible says that we're to be like Jesus, but that doesn't just mean in character because it says that we're supposed to walk just as he walked. And the Bible says that all the miracles that Jesus did in just three years, all the books in the world couldn't contain the miracles that he did. I mean, I'm great that you got that testimony from 1985. Praise the Lord. But what about 2023? Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I'm thankful that you saw that healing take place, you know, uh, that, that once a year. But what about we get to a stage where every week stuff is starting to happen in the spirit realm. Every week there's praise reports coming back and the reaper is starting to overtake the sower. And there's more praise reports that you're getting back than you've got prayer reports going out. You get what I'm saying? Because God is starting to move and he's healing people and delivering people and setting people free just because there's an atmosphere in Catalyst Church of the move of God. Hallelujah. Like we can't keep up with the testimonies that are coming into the ministry right now. It is just the grace of God and I'm thankful for it. But it's because we set a bar and a standard saying, you know what? We're not satisfied with just that one testimony every year of God's something doing. He healed a headache. He healed a cold. Praise the Lord. But we want to go into the deep realms of God where we're seeing Bible-based miracles. Amen. And so I began to see in like the charismatic Gloriana type stuff and this might go over some people's head, but some of you will get that. I started to see a lot of power being displayed, but no genuine miracles. You ever thought about that? A lot of presence being displayed and, oh, someone fell out under the power, da-da-da-da, but there was no deliverance happening. And where were the testimonies coming forth, right? Someone get out of a wheelchair the next week, they're in the wheelchair again. And, 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 and where's the genuine testimonies of God's miracle power? Like, we have to ask ourselves those questions in the charismatic church. Like, where are the genuine miracles? Where is the genuine displays? Where are the miracles that three years later that person got out of a wheelchair and they're still walking today? Five years later, they were healed of fibromyalgia and they're still healed today. You know, you know, uh, they got healed of a deaf ear and three years later, you can call them and they're still healed today. Amen? Like, we get emails coming back. And we posted a video recently of a testimony that came uh, that happened three years ago, and the lady just commented on the YouTube clip saying, still healed today, three years later. Woo! Come on. Come on. And we can't shy away from that, amen? Yeah. Amen, like do the testimony and just, okay, I hope it doesn't go bad, but let's not mention it anymore just in case Jesus didn't really do it. It's like, no, Jesus is able, amen, to set the captive free and for them to remain free, to set you and deliver you and for you to remain delivered, Amen.
He's bigger than our ability to hype him up, amen? Amen? And he wants us to stand and have that kind of reckless faith that believes that he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do and we don't need to be ashamed of it, amen? Praise the Lord. Like we don't release our testimonies until we've got confirmation at least a week later that something has happened in that person's life. We will contact them. We'll reach out to the pastors and say, can you check that that person is still healed today? Can you check that that life is still changed today? Can you check that that deliverance is still changed today? Because I don't want to put something out there that's trying to trick people into believing about Jesus. I want to put something out that's so powerful and so real and so transformative that it changes people's lives. Hallelujah. We're not in the scam business. We're not in the genie in a bottle business. We're in the resurrection power of God business. And Jesus really rose from the dead. He really poured out the Holy Spirit and he's really alive today. Hallelujah. This is fun, isn't it? (laughs) Amen. Glory be to God. And so we decided in our culture, you know what? I love character because I don't want to be one of those loopy Pentecostal ministers that has all this flowery power, but my wife is mad at me. My kids are mad at God because I never spend time with them. I've got no family friendships. I've got no real relationships. I can't connect with any of my leaders and any of my group, you know. And so, you know, but oh, but, but you must see the power of God flow, brother. Amen. I didn't want that, you know. I wanted to go after character. I believe that God is raising up a new uh, a generation of leaders, charismatic leaders, Pentecostal leaders, glory-inspired, Holy Ghost, driven for the supernatural type leaders, but with character, but with integrity, but with love, but with holiness, amen? So we can steward the next move of God and not shipwreck it, amen? Not sabotage it by our own weaknesses and our own furballs that we refuse to uh, look at and refuse to heal because we're so full of pride and the miracles and stuff that we're not going to listen to anyone or be accountable to anyone, but we're going to flow in the resurrection power of God with character, with integrity, amen? And so me and Liz made this decision. We're like, you know what? We're going to run hard after the power of God and we're going to run hard after the character. We're not going to sacrifice our family on the altar of ministry. <sighs> oh, I got the gooseies. Amen. And there's a man of God that once said, and I can't remember the exact phrase, I haven't used it in a while, but he basically said something like this. He said, you know, the number one enemy for intimacy with Jesus is the idolatry of ministry. The number one enemy of intimacy with Jesus is the idolatry of ministry. That is powerful. And you know, just after you guys left last night, Steve started to flow and we hadn't shared the message yet last night. I've still got it in my notes. Uh, maybe I'll share it in a few months' time. Who knows? But it's there in my notes. And, um, and Steve began to play and the Spirit of Jesus came into the room and everyone began to worship. And I had that choice. Do I step in and do I go with what I wanted to prepare in terms of ministry or do I allow Jesus to take over the room? And what do I love more? Jesus or me getting to do the way I think ministry should look? And thankfully I chose Jesus, amen. (laughs) And we all had a refreshing time and there was prophecy, there was things flowing, people got delivered and healed at the end. There was a mighty move of God, but it all comes down to the heart. What do you want more? 
What do you want more? And we decide, you know what? We're going to go after the intimacy of Jesus. Amen. Ministry happens out of overflow, not undertow. Too many people living in undertow, barely making it under the water, just getting carried away by the riptide. You get what I'm saying? We can either be getting carried away by the riptide or we could be riding the wave with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm not going to minister out of the undertow. I'm going to minister out of the overflow. Like what you're getting today is just overflow. Amen. It's just the overflow of a family that just loves Jesus. And if this church can just keep intimacy with Jesus as one of the core foundations, everything else is just going to flow out of that. Amen. Everything else is going to flow out. And so intimacy with Jesus is just a key. The love of God is just a key. We just decided, you know, Second uh, Corinthians chapter four. No, First Corinthians chapter fourteen says this: Pursue love, and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So some people are about, well, love you. You must have love, and it's all about love, and you know, you just got to love people, and da da da. But loving people does not mean you let them keep their demon. That's not love. I remember I was at a church when I was real young and didn't really know what I was doing. And it was like, I won't mention the movement, but it was just a camp thing. And I was just crazy for God. And I, I didn't have protocol back then, you know. And, and so I, I admit, you know, kind of maybe overstepped the boundary. But someone was getting, uh, manifesting a demon in this room and no one was doing anything. And I was like, well, I know how to do this, man. I read the book. I've done a few. I just, I just come out in the name of Jesus. He's like, ah. And the leader came over and said, okay, thank you for that. And I just stood away. That's cool. And he just said, calm down, calm down, calm down. And just calm the guy right down. And I thought to myself, he's still got his demon. Like it's not love to let someone keep their demon. It's love to want to see them delivered because Jesus was motivated by love. And so when we started our ministry, we decided let's mix love and, and, and let's have character as well. And let's pursue love, but earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And that word earnestly desire is the word covet. Covet which is a sin. Spiritual gifts is the only thing you're allowed to covet in the Bible. <laughs> Amen? Like, what, is, what does covet mean? Covet means that when you're at home and you're sitting at the TV, you look out your window and your neighbor drives home in that new car they just brought and parks it in their driveway and it's the car you always wanted. And you've been driving past that car lot for five years saying, Lord, give me that promotion because I really want that car. And your neighbor drives in and he's got that car. And it's got the leather interior, just the color you want it. And it's got the sound system with the Bose speakers and you can hear it just booming and you want it bad. And it's got those mag tires, those 21 inch mag tires and you just want it and you sit there and you just get a little cold sweat going you're like man I really wanted that car man and every time you get up for work at six in the morning you got to drive past your neighbor that brought the car you wanted that's covetousness amen that's a sin but the bible says that you can covet spiritual gifts the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, prophecy, healing, tongues, interpretation of tongues, the gift of faith, miracles. You can 
covet these things. You can watch Leslie prophesy and you can say, I really want that gift real bad. It's okay. You can see those miracles last night and say, I really wanna operate a miracles, Jesus. I'm so angry that Joseph gets to operate a miracles and I can't yet, but I really want it. You're allowed to do that. You can covet, be zealous for spiritual gifts and pursue love at the same time. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be combined. It's meant to be combined, amen? Because Jesus was moved with compassion and He healed the sick and He rose the dead and He cast out demons because He was moved by compassion. Compassion is love in action. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says this, if I can remember it, Lord. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, social justice, let's feed the poor, and healing all who were sick by the devil because God was with him. You want a sign that God is with you? Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. Amen? If I cast out uh, demons by the finger of God, surely this kingdom has come upon you. You want a sign of the kingdom? Cast out some demons. Amen. Come on. But in the process, love people. So in our 20s, you know, me and Les grew up and we're just hungry for God. We did a lot of street ministry, did a lot of youth ministry and, and, you know, went to the mission field, you know, in our early 30s. And we just wanted to see God cast out demons, healed. And it's exciting, right? Like if you guys have seen deliverance, it kind of gets the blood racing. Right? There's nothing like a little bit of a demon casting out slaying session to get, a, get the juice flowing, right? There's nothing like seeing a miracle, man. It just, boom, God's real. Come on. It's so awesome. Deaf ear opens in 20 years. I mean, that's exciting, right? But what's the motive of the heart? See, we talk about the supernatural lifestyle. We talk about the miracles. We talk about the deliverances. But Jesus is balancing the motivation of the heart. And it's one thing to talk about it. It's one thing to begin to walk in it. And so me and Les had seen a measure of the miracles of God in our 20s. But I wanted to see the Bible-based miracle. Where are the deaf ears opening? Where are the blind eyes opening? Where are the people getting out on wheelchairs? Where's that? We've got to be able to ask ourselves questions. That's why Gideon was called the mighty man, because he said, where are the miracles that our fathers talked about? And God said, go in this might of yours. <laughs> what might? The daringness to ask the question, where's the resurrection power of God in our day? That's power, because God will answer that cry with his miracle power. Amen. And so we began to say, okay, the motivation of the heart has to change. And so God led me and Les upon a journey of brokenness, upon a journey of crushing, upon a journey of the wilderness, where we began to understand that the motivation for all Christian ministry is the fact that God loves people end of story and our motivation began to change from seeing a deliverance and I just want to see deliverance because it's exciting to cast out a demon to actually seeing a person that is tormented and that God loves and to be able to look at that person and see that demon getting in the way of the love of God for them because when you love a person with the love of God and you can see them tormented by a spirit you want to see them delivered because God loves that person. And the, the, the desire for miracles changed where we didn't just want to see a miracle so we could share a testimony. Like, let me tell you this cool testimony, man. Da, 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 da. It was so cool. And God used me to do it. Hallelujah. But all glory to God, but he used me. <laughs> and the motivation began to change. And it began to be like, oh, God loves that person. 
And the devil has perverted the true identity of who they are and the image of God that he wants to form in their lives. Therefore, God's compassion for them is to heal them. And so we began to love people. Amen, Sean. Restoring the identity that Jesus has for people's lives. That's the battle. And we began to see miracles because the motivation changed. It stopped being, I want to see someone saved just so I can get a notch on my evangelistic belt. And say, so, yeah, God, three people saved this week and 20 this month. And hallelujah, they let me share the testimony at church last week. And it was awesome, you know. Instead, it was like, God loves that person and they're going to hell without him. And something grips you. The love of God compels you. And we ministered all over for five weeks. We ministered dozens of meetings all around America in the last five weeks. And we're about to leave a house in the middle of nowhere. It was a cornfield. And we're living with a house with a dozen shih tzu dogs that just talked all night, barked all night. And I was tired. And I was sick of being in that house surrounded by cornfields. And I just wanted to leave and get to a city and get to the comforts of real America. And, and, and we were packing up to leave. And the neighbor came in to mow the lawn, this young guy. And God said, you got five minutes. And I looked at this guy and I said, I don't. i got to get out of here, Lord. I've done my thing here. Do you have time? Can you see that I love this guy? And I had to get down off my ministry horse and move over to this guy and relate to him as a person that God loves with his eternal salvation weighing in the balance. And maybe I'm the only Jesus he will ever see. And I walked over to him and I shared the gospel. Young guy in his mid-twenties, and I said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? He said, yes, I do. And he gave his life to Jesus in the middle of a cornfield, in the middle of nowhere, with 12 Shih Tzu puppies yapping in the background. And I thought, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't sell the intimacy with you on the altar of ministry. Thank you, Father. And I'm here today so that every one of you in this room would know God loves you. And he wants to know you. Do you know him? Or do you know about him? You can grow up in church your whole life and only know about him because of what pastor told you, what leader told you, what your mum told you, what your dad told you. But I'm here to tell you that you can sit at the table with Jesus and you can have a coffee with Jesus and you can talk with Jesus and it's real. So I just want you to close your eyes right now today. I 
want you to just ask yourself this question. Do I know about God? Or do I know God? Have I grown up in church? But if I was to be honest with the preacher today, I would say I don't have a real relationship with Jesus. But I want that. And if that's you today, I just want you to lift your hand up on the count of three. You want to resubmit your life. You want to commit your life. You want to rededicate your life. You've realized as I've been speaking that your version of Christianity that you're living right now is not the fullness that God has for you. You want a fresh commitment to that decision today on the count of three. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands up. There's anyone here who can move on. One, two, three. Just lift your hand right now if that's you. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sister. It's a bold choice today. Thank you, my sister. Just lift your hand right now. I'm going to get those four people just to come up here and just surrender afresh to God. I want you to be bold because we're bold for the devil. We're bold for the nightclub. We're bold for our mates. We're bold for, but we're not bold for Jesus. But the pastors saw it last night. People came to the altar before I forgot to finish because there's a hunger. Before I got to finish, there's a hunger that God is developing. Just come up here right now, those four people that put their hand up. I'm just going to lead you in prayer. Come on, be bold about it. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? This is your chance. You might not see me again. Hopefully you will. Hopefully I haven't scared you off. But tonight's the night that you can surrender to the Lord. Forgive me, I said tonight. I'm still living on last night. Plus I had a 30-hour plane ride on Thursday and I've still got jet lag. I was up at 6 in the morning, so... <sighs> it's just a recommitment, eh? You've just been weeping the whole service and I just feel like God is just touching you in an awesome way. In an awesome way. You know, God, when we're broken before Him, that's when He can come into our brokenness and heal our life. You can, yeah, okay, cool, whatever's happening. So just lift your hands like this and just say after me. And we can all repeat this prayer, amen? Just say, Jesus you got to set out your mouth. Okay, because it's with the mouth that we believe unto salvation. With the heart we believe, with the mouth we, we confess. Say, Jesus, today I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you were raised from the dead to give me new life. So I choose to believe and the resurrection power of God to wash away all my sin to forgive me of all my past and to give me a new heart that I can be born again that you can give me a future I command shame to leave me let it out right now just let that go right now condemnation to leave me guilt to leave me now and for the blood of Jesus to wash me afresh